0: Good evening, church. Good evening. Boy, am I glad, am I glad that Sister Emmy was singing that high voices. If I would have done that in front of you, you might have thrown a chair at me. So thank you, Sister Emmy, for your high voice, because I could never do that. Even if I was being chased by wild monkeys, I could never do that. Anyway, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for allowing me to come up. I, I you know, I always say to God, plug me in wherever you want to plug me in. Yeah. I never need to take center stage on anything from anybody. It's never about me. Okay? It's about serving my Lord. And that's what it's all about. So, knocked on conscience, wakes up, wakes up in the Gulf of Mexico. Wakes up and he was in water. He was in the ocean. How would you like to wake up? Because you were knocked unconscious. You tripped over something and you wake up and you're in the middle of an ocean. And he was there treading water for over 20 hours waiting to be rescued. This is not a sci-fi movie, that somebody got drugged, and then when they wake up on an island, they become the prey, not the predators. This has nothing to do with that. This is a true story that happened over two and a half weeks ago. And when I thought about this young man, he was with his family, they were celebrating Thanksgiving on a cruise ship, and um, they were going, on the Gulf of Mexico. And he dismissed himself, as he is giving this information to the reporter, he dismissed himself to go to the restroom. Next thing you know, he wakes up in the ocean. And as he is being interviewed, he is saying this. He was finally interviewed last week. He is saying, well, there were times that I saw the fence of charts circling nearby. I don't know, If if that was me, I'd probably try to run on water and run away from there, if I could. As I could see in the moonlight, I could see jellyfish not too far from me. And you know if you get stung by a jellyfish, good luck to you. Because you could have some adverse reaction that you could even die. And then, on top of that, he was treading water against riptide. That means it was a placid lake. It was water going up and down. And again, think about this. You wake up, Brother Ron. You wake up, and you go, how? what's happening here? How did I end up in the middle of the Gulf of Mexico? How did this happen? And as he's being interviewed, he was saying to himself, this is what he shared, okay? This is just recently. He shared, I must keep treading water. I must swim. I must survive. This is what he told the reporter. I must be treading water. He was saying to himself, I must swim, I must survive. And then, he started thinking about his family. There were 15 of them in the cruise ship that were looking for him, besides all the cruise ship staff, and I'm sure the Coast Guard even at that time. 20 hours, a little bit over 20 hours out there. I mean, you got to have such trust and faith in Christ because you're talking about not swimming to the edge of the pool or swimming to the edge of the river or a lake. You're in the middle of nowhere in the water and there's definitely more water than there is you. So he said that kept him going but this is what touched me in the interview that he said I knew And they didn't block this out. They didn't take this out of the national news. I knew my Lord was with me. Wow. He said, I knew my Lord was with me. And um, as he finished up the interview, he said, I knew my Lord was with me. But he was actually with me in the water. That is powerful because we know, those of us that are believers in Christ, that Christ is always with us in the form of a spirit, the Holy Spirit living with us. Now, this young man went through a horrific moment <clears throat> that I couldn't even understand. Some of us go through moments of disaster in our lives, and we don't share with anybody. Because we may be embarrassed, or may be thinking to ourselves, no, 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 i got to trust in God. I can't even share this with anyone. We should be the opposite. You should trust in God and share it with your brother and sister so we can pray together. You may find yourself in a moment of great grief. This happens to any one of us. Anytime. You're not immune from moments of darkness. You and I are not immune from moments of hell knocking at our door. In tonight's message, you're going to see one main character. But there are many characters in the Bible that went through moments like this. Went through moments that they thought they would never be rescued by God. Went through moments that they thought, this is it for me. Remember, they were human just like you and I. Okay? But yet, it came to a point that they knew they only had one thing that was going to save them. To trust and faith in God. So tonight's message before we open and prayer, It's titled God's Real Estate. And I know some of you may be scratching your head. Real Estate? What's going on? God's Real Estate? Well, this message is going to be we're going to navigate in the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, an awesome prophet. The weeping prophet. A prophet that cried for the nation. A prophet that that took a lot on himself because of the fact that he cared for his people. So if you could, right now, I want to open with, with prayer, and then we're going to go immediately to Isaiah 55, 8-9. through nine. Father God, Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for your word tonight. Not my word, but the word that you placed in my heart through the Holy Spirit. Let your spirit speak loudly and speak with truth this word tonight that may it deliver many that are listening and watching and those of us here tonight, including me. I thank you, Lord. I give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. So you know this scripture already. Isaiah 55 verses 8-9. through For my thoughts are not your thoughts. This is God. Nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. And aren't we guilty, all of us, of all of that, when we think (laughs) that our thoughts, our plans, Our blueprints are going to be the ones that are going to get us out of deep water, stressful moments, situations that we don't even know how we landed there. You know, sin can sneak up on any one of us that way. Sin can sneak up on us, and we find ourselves in a situation where we go, how did I get here? I am saved already. What why did I allow that open that door to be open? This is for each and every one of us in this room and those that are listening at home. So, our trust and faith in Christ in every day of our life helps us always to navigate navigate dangerous waters. The focus must always be so, I am willing, and he is able. Think about that. We say, and we declare, I am willing. Right? Philippians 4.13, I can do all things to him that strengthens me. I am willing, and my Lord Jesus Christ is able. He is able. Why? Because he equips me. He equips me to navigate situations that In moments that we think that's it, we're done. I might as well throw the towel in. But if we truly believe that God can save us from whatever we're going through, we're going to have that moment of glory and victory in Jesus Christ. If you could, let's start now with Jeremiah. Chapters 32. And we're gonna go all the way through 1 through 15. But we're gonna start first with Jeremiah 32, verses one and two. And the word of God says, the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord in the 10th year of Sedekiah, Sedekiah, king of Judah, which was the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar. For then the king of Babylon's army besieged Jerusalem and Jeremiah the prophet was shut up in the court of the prison which was in the king's the king of Judah's house. Shut up. He was in prison. He couldn't go anywhere. Call it a house if you will. But he was in prison. Yeah they fed him, he got his meals and all that. But he was in prison. And would you ask yourself the question, How did I end up in a situation like this? I think each and every one of us would ask ask ourselves a question. So the important points here are here we see Jeremiah shut up, meaning incarcerated in a court of the of the prison. And and we, we go to an understanding. We are God's real estate. And I know you may be asking yourself, why is Brother Pete talking about real estate? Well, because we are God's real estate. When we give our lives to Jesus Christ and we confess our our sins, we are redeemed from the pits of hell. We're resurrected into a new real estate with Jesus Christ. Okay? So... God's purpose for our lives may not be revealed immediately to us. We don't know what God is going to do in our lives. I, I believe that most of us that are sitting in this room, I would think all of us, we know that God is using us already. We know that God empowers us to reach out to the broken because we're here and we were made to serve Him. So there's no question. The real estate is to serve Him. To serve Him and to bring more into His kingdom. So, but God promises for our lives is never broken or lost unless we choose. And here's the thing God still gives us that choice, each and every one of us. A choice to either follow him or a choice to say, you know what, I can't thread water anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I wish I could have interviewed this young man and said, dude, you were threading water for over 20 hours? You're talking about nighttime? You're talking about everything. You're talking about in the heat of the sun. And you saw these creatures close to you. How did that happen? You see, that's what God, what God does for us. When we have nowhere else to lean, and he didn't have a life preserver. He wasn't anyone that maybe, from what I heard in the interview, had naval experience that he could tie up maybe his shirt and make it into a flotation device. Do you know I learned how to do that when I was in, we call it back then, junior high school. Now it's called middle school. And we had the pool that we went to. And one of the, one of the um, sessions and part of the curriculum of the physical fitness classes at the school, you had to take water safety. And they would put you in the pool and the instructor was actually a lifeguard, a retired lifeguard. And that lifeguard instructed us how to survive and tread water. And how to take your shirt off or some part of your what you're wearing to tie it up at the end to try to suck in air into it as you close it up to try to float. I don't know if this happened to, to this young man, but we not to live in his perfect will, not to place him first in our lives, that's what sometimes people want to make a choice. When they don't choose Jesus. And you're going to see more of that today. In this broken world. And and I know a lot of people may be tired. Of preachers preaching the same thing. And, and, and talking about salvation. And talking about redemption. And talking about sanctification. And talking about new birth. But we can never stop. We can never stop talking about that. Even though. Churches. Now some of them. And many of them are taking a different path. Why? Because it's all about the numbers to them. It has nothing to do about salvation. It has nothing to do about being saved. Some of them don't even talk much about sin. Like sin has been eliminated from the equation. And trust me, sin never stops knocking at your door and my door so we need to be cognizant of that not only is god able to save us but he's able to meet all of our needs and here's the wonderful thing wherever we are at i love that you don't have to say well okay lord i want you to throw me in the middle of the ocean like like what happened to that young man so that I can finally meet you because I'm not being shocked by what's going on in this world. God will meet you wherever you're at if you're faithful, if you trust him. And remember when I preached many, many, a few years ago, faith as small as a mustard seed. Oh my God, come on. This whole crisis requiring us of us, faith as small as a mustard seed. Brother Ron, not big faith, but even little faith like that. But what, what needs to be in the center of that? The love of Christ first. Us having the love of Christ as our Heavenly Father. If you could, go to Jeremiah 32, verses 3 through 5. For Zechariah, Se- king of Judah, has shut him up, saying, Why do you prophesy and say, Thus the Lord, behold, I will give the city into the hand of the king of Babylon, and he shall take it. And Zechariah, king of Judah, shall not escape from the hand of the Sheldonians, but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of of king of Babylon and shall speak with him face to face and see his eye eye to eye then he shall let lead sidonia to Babylon and there he shall be until I visit him says the lord though you fight with the Chaldeans you shall not succeed you should not succeed, says the Lord. So important points here. This story builds up. King Zekediah, King of Judah, silencing the prophet, thinking that all was gonna be okay if I silence this prophet. Doesn't that happen to us? Mmm mm, when we backslid? Mmm. When we have a moment that we're not focused on the on, on the Son of God. We don't want to hear anybody correcting us. We don't want to hear people telling us, I love you, man, but what you're about to do, no. Those are tough moments. But that's what this king did. Silencing the prophet, not wanting to hear the words of God or to be obedient to the word of God. And he knew God. He knew the word of God. But no. His plan was better. He thought. He thought his plan was better. Could you go to Jeremiah. Chapter 32. Verses 6 through 12. Jeremiah. Chapter 32. Verses 6 through 12. And the word of God says. And Jeremiah said. The word of the Lord came to me. Saying behold. Hanumel. The son of Sheolim. Your uncle will come to you saying, Buy my field, which is in Anatham, for the right of redemption is yours to buy it. Then hemel my uncle's son, came to me in the court of the prison, according to the word of the Lord, and said to me, Please, buy my field, that it is in Anatham, which is in the country of Benjamin, for the right of inheritance is yours, and the redemption yours, buy it for yourself. Then I knew, and here's what Jeremiah said, then I knew this was the word of the Lord. So I bought the field from Hanamel, the son of my uncle, who was in Anathoth, and weighed out to him, weighed out to him the money, 17 shekels of silver. And I signed the deed. And sealed it. Took witnesses and weighed the money. On scales. So I took the purchase deed. Both that which was sealed according to the law. And custom. custom and that which, which was open. Verse 12. And I gave the purchase deed. To. Barakon. Barakon. The son of Neariah. The son of Messiah, in the presence of Hanuman, my uncle's son, in the presence of the witness who signed the purchase deed before all the Jews who sat in the court of prison. Here we see God telling Jeremiah that his cousin, Hanuman, would visit him in prison. Ask him to buy a field in their hometown of Anetha. This land was, and you got to hear this, because when I read this, and a lot of you know that my uh, pastor Pam and I are blessed to have real estate that my parents blessed me with. This land was worthless, Brother Ron. It was worthless. There was no value to this land. Okay. It was worthless, no value to men. But, but but here's the catch, Brother Doug. But with God, his real estate, <laughs> present and future, passes his great value and promise fulfilled. And that's what I love about Jesus, that God can use each and any one of us you don't have to be a preacher. You don't have to be a bishop. You don't have to be a chaplain. If you're willing, he is able. And I keep repeating that. And and if God places in your heart to do something that could be so utterly crazy, and you may even ask God, Lord, are you sure you're talking to the right person? And, to, and through the Holy Spirit in my heart? But again, what did I just read when I read Isaiah 55? We don't know his plans. We don't know why God does what he does. We don't know why God changes things in in, in less than a New York minute. God changes things. And, And we think the plan has fallen apart. And yet, what does God tell us in his word? But wait. Wait. If we wait on him, the answer will come. The healing will come. The blessing will come. The release will come. The temptation will will leave us. All we have to do is wait on Him. Because He is faithful. Not us. We're not faithful 100% of the time. If I ask everyone in this room, including me, because this message is for me too, are you always faithful? Nobody can raise your hand. I don't care who you are. And those of you that are listening at home, none of us are 100% faithful. Why? Because we let the flesh get in the way. We want to please the flesh. We want to please whatever argument we have with someone that we must be right. Not that person. Whatever disease is trying to chase me down, You know, sometimes we 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 accept those diseases. We accept these these ill moments, we accept the almost being drowned in a situation. But we have such a hard time waiting on God to do his perfect will up, upon our lives. God can change a church, God can change your job, God can change a salary, God can change your predicament that the doctor. Uh, Three doctors saw you and they said you're going to die and God says no you're not. That's what Jesus is all about. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. He is the light in the darkness. Oh, that is Jesus. Not us. Our plans can fail miserably. Now, there's nothing wrong if God gives you his plan. For you to start doing the right thing. If you ask him. Lord. I want your wisdom. Not my wisdom or the wisdom of the world. I want your discernment. Not my discernment. Or the discernment that the world thinks they can give me. And Lord Christ. I want your knowledge. Not the knowledge. That a lot of us seek from the world. Church. The world can never save us. And religion can definitely not save us, but relationship with the light of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega. That's the assurance we have. That's, if you want to call it, which this is not, to me this doesn't sound right, but if you call it, if you want to call it that's money in the bank, well, listen, Christ is bigger than money in the bank because he's going to make it right for you and I, no matter what we're going through so church, listen to this what Christ plans for our lives never fails isn't that something Yeah, we think we've already some of us think we're already a failure because we messed up the other day I'll forget it how can God use me now I'm no good I'm going back to the same old thing. Well, drop to your knees and ask God to, to help you at that moment like I've had to. I've had moments where I've been even food shopping. And I had a moment that I started thinking ugly things. And I had to stop and move. I know it, it's, it's, you think it's weird. Me being six foot six in the middle of a market. I moved my car to the side. And there I am with my head down praying. People must have thought I think we have a crazy one on aisle 55. But that's what God will do. God gave me that courage to just stop, not worried about what people said and looked around me. That I could have been a, ther- a terrorist, that I could have been a crazy guy that was just led out from the insane asylum for, for a visit to, to the market. Come on. His greater plan for our life, the life of our family, and the life of the church. God is always working behind the scenes. So everything God shared with Jeremiah took place. And God will share things with you and I through his spirit. And it will take place. If it is the saving of your marriage, it's going to happen. Even though sometimes it gets tough. If it is the saving of, of your retirement pension or whatever it could be, God will do it. God will do it. Or, he will always give you a way out. Mm-hmm. He will never give you and I more than we can handle. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful about that, that God doesn't look at me and says, well, look at this old Cuban. He's six foot six, weighs over 245 pounds. I know he can handle more. Because I am a wimp if God is not with me. I am a wimp and a half. You can tell the world. You can tell the world, and I, it's okay, because with, without God, I am a wimp. I am nothing, and I seek Him daily and by the minute too. So everything God shared with Jeremiah took place. Jeremiah knew it was surely the word of the plan of the Lord, and he purchased the deed and was signed before all, all the Jews who sat in the court of the prison. This is incredible. Jesus even works in prisons. And here was a prophet in prison, and, and, and this was taking place of all places. It wasn't in, in somewhere, uh, in, 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 in the synagogue or wherever. It was not somewhere in the church where they united together. He was in the prison of Sycathiah's house when he was in prison. What does that mean? Well, God can work anywhere. He can work in the darkest moments. He can work where you're even in prison because you have something that you feel that's darkness hovering over you and and, and that stronghold will leave you, will keep going to Jesus and you watch how he will free you. So yeah, he's in the prison. He's in the church. He's in the supermarket. He's everywhere. He's even in the ocean, in the Gulf of Mexico. Who would have thought that Jesus could swim? Oh, yes, he can. Yes, he can. Definitely so. So the last scripture, if you could, go to Jeremiah 32, 13 through 15. Then I charged Baruch before them saying, thus says the lord of hosts the god of israel take these deeds both this purchase deed which is sealed and this deed which is open and put them in an earthen vessel that they may last many days for thus says the lord of hosts the god of israel houses and fields and vineyards shall be possessed again in this land you know you know what's really incredible about this story that a realtor, a broker, real estate, usually has a pretty good vision of when he is taken to a place that they're selling parcel of land. And if you are a true good realtor, a true good broker, you're gonna see beyond this field is full of garbage and full of broken branches and. And dirt all over the place and and ugly all over the place, and it could be an acre. But that realtor, that broker, sees the vision. And see, that's what Jesus sees with us. His real estate that he implanted in us. Jesus already sees the vision of where he's taking us. If what? If we choose to say, Lord, here I am. And now turn your back and say, "Lord, I can't tread water anymore. You know what? Let the jellyfish sting me. Let the sharks take me apart and become their yum yum food. I've had it, Lord." But Jesus still wants you. Wants you to push. Wants you to give. So here we see God's amazing grace. The 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 property deal from prison, God will restore. God's love is never to give up on us until the very end. And we see that in the book of Revelation. He never gives up on us to the very end. And there's going to be many that are going to fall. And they're going to fall aside and they're not going to come. Why? Because they think their blueprint and their plan is better. They think they're going to survive the hell that is coming. That's what they think. God's love is never to give up again, but it is is still the choice to embrace his plans for our life and to stay the course in our everyday moments of challenges. With darkness of all types knocking at the door of our heart, accepting temptation, accepting living a life of constantly lying to Christ in one another, accepting that there's no hope for any of us. That's why when I hear a preacher anywhere, it doesn't matter. And sometimes it's happening at the shelter where I'm at. Oh, there's no hope in that guy. He's been here. He's been here eight times. This is a another true story and something that touched my heart. <clears throat> this young man named Freddie, 45 years old. I shared this already with Pastor Pam and another person. He came to the shelter a month and a half ago where God has blessed me to be there and bring the word. He came to the shelter and said to me, and he remembered me, Pastor Pete, I promise you this time, I am for serious. He had been there eight times. And I said to him, Freddie, remember what I always said to you, through him you can do anything. Philippians 4:13. He had the biggest smile. Man, Freddie was coming to Bible study. Freddie was coming to every Monday night um, ministry service. And and he would ask me, uh, you know, please pray for me. I got my job. I'm doing pretty good. Pastor, this time, I'm going to make it. So I led him to Christ. He accepted Christ. That night, a month and a half ago, he accepted Christ. After all the ordeals and the times he had come and going, and, uh, and he was so happy, he was so happy. Yeah. I walked in the shelter on Monday, Monday night, ready to bring the work. And as I come in, we have a, a pretty packed cafeteria. Bishop Lyle has been there many times. And Douglas has been there. And Andrew has been there. And others that are not here tonight have been there. And I walked in. And one person grabbed my arm as I'm walking in. And I turned aside. She was sitting on one of the tables. And she said, Pastor Pete, your boy Freddie died. Mm -hmm. I broke up. And I said, what? Yeah he had a massive heart attack crossing Young Circle in Hollywood. And he was coming back from his job. And he died. And and I said, right away, the Holy Spirit corrected me and said, but he's with the Lord now. Hallelujah. His last moments just like the story with my father-in-law. I led him to Christ in the shore of that water in North Hollywood Beach. He was water baptized by me and another pastor. And he gave his life to Christ. We gave him a shirt that says <laughs> Jesus loves you. Doug, he would never take that shirt off even if he stunk. He took it to the gym to show everybody. And I said to myself when he went home to God I said, wow. No, not because I did anything powerful, Doug. It's because I allow God to use me. Like you need to allow God to use you. To bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the broken, to the hurting, to the ones that are still treading water and wanting to give up. You may be that only person. And I was for David, maybe, I hope. And I was for Freddie. And so when I spoke on Monday night, I said, we're going to pray for Freddie's family. That they one day will see him, because we know where he is at. And the whole group of people, there were quite a few people that this Monday night, they applauded and all that. Not me. They applauded because a lot of them have given their lives to Christ. And they know how Christ works in people's lives. That's the blueprint. Right there. The blueprint. So, as we get deeper into the story, we will see the promise of judgment by God and the promise of restoration. Church, many times Jesus has to tear down and remove his blessings that were given to you and I. He will give it and he will take it. If we're not if if what he blesses us with, we're not using it to glorify him, he will take it. Guaranteed. And God never breaks his promises. But if we choose to be about us and not about him, we're gonna be left treading water for a long time in darkness. So there will be judgment in our life. But if we repent, trust, and have faith that he will deliver us and restore many times more than what we had given, than what he had given us, there's always, in Jeremiah 29:11. those last two things, there's always a future and a hope. Don't let anybody tell you that there's never a future and a hope in your life because you have fallen 15 times. Never let them tell you that. Because God is the answer. God is the only answer. Not the preacher. Not the church. Not the cathedral. Not the the evangelist. They are only a beacon of light that God gives them to bring the word. But Jesus is the one. What? The way? The truth? And the life? That's Christ. So... In closing, the prophet Jeremiah activated the future and the present through a symbolic, listen to this, through a symbolic act of purchasing a worthless, zero value field. I wouldn't buy it. Being honest. Unless God was really knocking me outside of the head. Okay? And trusting that God had a greater plan for his people. It's real estate that resides in our hearts, Lord, uh, church, can only have a great profit if Jesus is the first in our lives. Not your wife, not your son, not your daughter, not your puppy or puppies. We have three of them at home. Jesus has to be the first in your life. Jesus never told you. To stop loving your wife and stop loving your family. But our God is a jealous God. You got you and I have to honor Him first in our lives always. So Jesus is our first love. We repent and only have faith and trust in Him, not the world, not man. And I'm gonna finish up with this little story. I, I shared this with the church one time before. A lot of you know that I'm a swimmer. I was bo- I was brought up swimming very young, and I love swimming, and I swim my lake. I haven't swam for a year because I hurt my left shoulder thinking I'm still 25 years old, trying to swim so hard and all this and that. And now I gotta be careful how I raise my left hand. I don't know why my left hand more than any any other, either one, but one day I found myself, Brother Ron, in the middle of the lake, and I know how deep it is, right there in the middle, because my friend that's a professional, uh, diver got his license, certified and everything. He took me down. I never got certified license. He took me down, but I never went as deep as he did because I thought, my God, it never comes to, to where, where are we going? And then he brought the gauge that said it was 39 feet deep. So then I'm swimming, and before, Brother Chris, Chris I swam with no preserver, nothing. I know you're gonna say, Brother Chris, Brother Pete, I didn't think humans were that dumb. But, for a while, because I'm a strong swimmer, I didn't swim with anything. Now I swim with a little flotation device in the back that looks like my little kid is following me. It's a tiny little balloon. But all of a sudden, I had a leg cramp. My right leg, from the top of my hip all the way to the bottom, and I couldn't move. Somebody starts whispering to me, oh, you're gonna drown. There's nobody around. Look around. There's nobody in the shore in the back of any of the houses. There's 44 houses that surround our lake that's a mile long. You're gonna drown. And And I kept only using, brother Ron, my physical ability and my knowledge as a swimmer that I was taught. But I felt like I was almost being dragged down. And, and I started seeing darkness because it was windy. I know Brother Chris, you're gonna say, Brother Pete, man, you really, you went in the water, windy and everything that could create a riptide? And I did, because I'm a strong swimmer. I thought I could do anything. And I really thought that that was it for all Brother Pete. But then I started remembering. What Pastor Pam always has told me. All you need to do is call the name Jesus. Just call his name. When you're in trouble, when you're treading water. And I was treading water. Because I could not get from the middle to the shore. And all of a sudden I started calling Jesus. Jesus helped me. Helped me. Because I was treading water with one leg. The other one was like, no, I couldn't even move it. In my arms, I tried to do everything I could. And as I see the shore only, Brother Doug, about three feet in front of me, I said, you are the living Christ. You are the holies of holies. And you have saved me. Of course, Brother Ron, when I got in the house, and I told Pastor Pam, she wanted to kill me. (laughs) Maybe I should have drowned because I gotta be. And she always says in the name of Jesus. But that's the wonderful thing about the real estate that God has created in our hearts. Let's go to God in close in prayer. Father God, we thank you, Lord.